I uh, was in the parking lot this morning at about 8.30, saw a full parking lot, all the cars, people streaming in. I just thought, this church has a new hunger for God. There's there's something unusual about people's uh, eagerness to uh, hear the word. And then I thought, that happened about 12 months ago, around this time, and uh, that's when I realized uh, they hadn't come for, for, they had come for these wonderful children, and they did an amazing job this morning. Uh, as we come to Christmas, it is uh, appropriate that we have an opportunity to hear uh, the Christmas story and to see the Christmas message through the eyes of a child. And uh, perhaps it will help us this morning as we look to God's word and see uh, a Christmas passage and also do, do so uh, through the eyes of the child. Let me explain why. Uh, a man by the name of Jeffrey Kluger wrote an article in Time magazine, and he talked about the uh, research of a, of a man named uh, Ernst Morrill. And uh, he... Ernst Morrill was a German pediatrician, and he did uh, some some research. And what he found in the research he did back in 1918, that when a baby was born and a newborn is startled in some way, that what the baby will do will instinctively stretch out their arms, reach out, and do this grabbing motion. Uh, this will happen for a newborn, like, straight out of the womb. And the conclusion that he drew was that this desire to be held, that it, it is not something that is learned. It is not something that you have to teach a child. That, uh, in his words, it comes pre-programmed from the factory. That's his way of saying, God has designed us with a desire to be held. That even for a newborn baby, there is that sense in, ingrained in them in the very fabric of God's creation of uh, humanity that free fall on your own, independence bad, being held uh, is safe and is good. He, Jeffrey Pluger uh, talks about that re- research, but he then goes on to say that that desire to be held is not something that we ever completely outgrow. That it is something that not only we are born with and is important for babies and is uh, good to the health of a child, but that somehow we go through our lives continuing to seek for that desire to be held, that desire to be, uh, to be supported and to be Uh, to be strengthened. He said, in one way or another, we spend the rest of our lives in a sort of sustained moral clinch, like this. And I think there's a sense in which that's true. I think there's a sense in which we have a desire and a longing for acceptance, for support, for uh, being received by another and to be strengthened and supported by someone. The problem is, if we are born with that desire, who will we reach out to? Who will we uh, seek to be held by? As we look at our, the children who performed this morning, uh, in not too many years, uh, certainly 
in uh, a shorter length of time than many of you parents would care to uh, uh, think of, uh, our children will have, have the temptation to do sometimes vulnerable and even dangerous things to be held by someone else, by he- to be held by another, another guy, another girl. There is a, uh, a, an innate longing that God has created in us for that support and acceptance and love. And yet the question is, who, who will we turn to to receive that uh, love and strength and support? The message of Christmas is that there is one who has drawn near to us, uh, one who has come into our world that we might receive all that we were uh, pre-programmed, all that we were created to, uh, to receive, and that we can receive that at his hand. The message of Christmas is that there's hope when we feel weak, that there is a God of both strength, of love and tenderness, who desires to work in our lives to bring that, that sense of uh, acceptance that we all long for. I want to encourage you, if you have your uh, Bibles with, with, with you today, uh, to turn with me. We are uh, in a passage, we're in Isaiah chapter 40 this morning, and we have been working our way through this, and we'll continue through the month of December, and uh, looking at a passage that was given to a group of exiles, a group of uh, people who had been made to feel their weakness, who had uh, known the, the, the difficulties that came with being a conquered people, people that felt their weakness. Today we'll continue that, uh, that passage, and I'll read from verses 9 to 11. Isaiah 40, verses 9 to 11. Go up on, onto a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Now this passage begins the way all great Christmas passages begin, with an announcement. It's common today for people to say, Christmas is really about, and then they'll tell you what they think Christmas is about. Christmas is really about giving. Christmas is really about family. Uh, Christmas is really about, and and coming together, and, 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 and not that any of those things are, are wrong in themselves, but Christmas is first and foremost in Scripture an announcement. It's an announcement of good news. It is not a command, it is an announcement. And here, the Word of God will give us uh, several things that are being announced. In, in verse 9, there's a call to go up on a high mountain and proclaim the good news. The command is to lift up your voice with strength. And and that's why it's so appropriate that there have been, over the ages, just so many carols that have been created as people desire to announce the good news, proclaim the good news, sing it, and lift up their voice in sharing it. 
here the announcement uh, gives us three important things. The first is that Christmas announces the coming of a God who is powerful. It doesn't start with us, but it starts with a God coming to us. It starts with a message about God, but it is a God who is entering into our world. As we saw last week, this message was given to people who had been conquered. The uh, Israelites at this point in their history, uh, it, was, it was looking to them, picturing them conquered in Babylon. Every, their land had been destroyed. Their temple had been destroyed. Their, their way of life had been taken from them, and they had been carried away to a place that was no longer the promised land. They had found themselves defeated and oppressed because they had looked for strength in all the wrong places. They'd looked to foreign kings. Uh, they had trusted in foreign religions, in foreign gods, foreign idols. The problem was that they hadn't turned to their God. Verse 9 gives a message that was to be shouted out in response to that, in response to them having looked in the wrong place for the strength that they needed. Verse 9 says, Behold your God. The message is that they were to look to God for their strength, not to all of these other things. The message was that God is the one who can provide the, the grace or the strength that we need. Many people today picture God as gentle, but a little grandfatherly. Not so much strong as just a, a warm figure. Probably a little old, certainly a little outdated, but not the picture that we have here in verse 10. Verse 10 announces the arrival of a God of power. It says, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. It's a picture of God flexing with, with, with ripped biceps. It's a picture of God's strength. It's a picture of God's might. When the people of God heard these words in exile, they were feeling their weakness. They were feeling like there's nothing I can do to get out of this situation because Babylon is too strong. Our oppressors are too powerful. And God was proclaiming, I'm coming, but when I come, remember that I am coming as a God of power. I'm coming in strength and might. And the message is that God, as Linolin gave testimony to in our announcement time, God is more powerful than the most terrifying diagnosis. God is more powerful than a discouraging employment outlook. God is more powerful than your last breakup. The message of Christmas is that there is a God who is coming and that God comes in power. He's a God of might. God who can give us the strength that we need. So Christmas announces the coming of God, who, a, a God who is powerful. But our generation has kind of had enough of powerful figures, right? The, the Me Too movement has exposed people who were powerful but used their power to abuse others, who didn't use their power for good means, but the amazing thing about Christmas is that it announces the, not only the coming of a God who is powerful, but a God who treasures us, a God of great power, but also a great love. And it, 
it, it does that through a, an unusual uh, little description that we get of him in verse, the end of verse 10. First, I want you to see little, three little uh, hints in the passage to, to lead us up to us, uh, lead us up to it. In, in verse 9, it said, behold your God. He was the one we were to look to. Then in the beginning of verse 10, it said, Behold, the Lord God comes with might. And then in the end of verse 10, we get that third climactic, Behold, and here's what it says, Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Some people read that and think, Oh, I get it. There's a powerful God who's coming and he's going to give us our rewards. And that's possible, but it's unlikely. Uh, most commentators believe that this is not our reward because, first of all, it says it is his reward. And at this time, and in most of times in history, uh, people weren't uh, at a stage in their lives where anyone could, could have been uh, deserving of such a reward. It, it is not so much that God is coming with our reward, it's coming with his reward. And he tells us at, uh, in verse 11 what that reward is. God's reward is his people. God's reward is, in a sense, us. When Jesus was born on a feeding tr- in a feeding trough, when we look at the message of Christmas that, that Jesus came to this earth and was born in these terrible conditions of poverty and vulnerability and danger, he didn't do it so he could get a trophy, so he could somehow earn a certificate, so that there was something that he could get that would, uh, he could put up on his wall. When Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross and endured the suffering and the humiliation and his death, he didn't do it so he could uh, somehow uh, get some kind of gift, some kind of maybe a, a gold watch as a retirement gift. It, it, it wasn't for those things. It, the scripture says he did it with us in mind, that we are his reward. We are his recompense, his payback. We are the ones that he has, uh, has done all of these things for. In scripture, God calls his people precious in his eyes. He refers to us as a treasured possession. And the message of this God who is powerful is that he treasures us. We are valuable to him. We matter in God's eyes. We have worth in his sight. So Christmas announces the coming of God who is powerful, who also treasures us. That still doesn't tell us, though, how he treats us. Because we've all heard the stories of powerful individuals who have, have prized and even treasured people that they then still treated very poorly. There was an obsession, but not a, uh, a sense of uh, grace in, in the way they were treated. But Christmas is, announces the coming of God who cares for us. He meets our longings for tenderness. He, need, he me, meets what... Uh, Ernst Morrow said we were born with that desire to be held, that desire for security and closeness. Verse 11 pictures his tendered care in our lives. 
It says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now here, tending the flock refers to his general care for all believers. It it talks about the, the way that he sustains us and provides for us. He guards us and he protects us. He does that for all of his followers. But he gives special attention here to the lambs. The lambs are the ones that need the special care. The lambs are the young. But the lambs are also the old. The lambs are the weak, the poor, the ones who are crying out because they are in specially and uniquely desperate circumstances. And the message here is that he gives them that special attention. He carries them next to his chest. It's a picture of his special and intimate care for each of them. He embraces them the way Ernst Morrow said we were all created to be embraced. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 11, records Jesus' words when he came to the earth. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He wasn't just saying, and this is often how we read it, he wasn't just saying, I'm like a good shepherd. He didn't just say, I'm, 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 you know, if you were kind of to look at my life, it's kind of like a, a shepherd. That's not what he's saying. He, he is kind of like a shepherd, but he was saying more than that. He was saying, I'm the shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that was prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. I'm the one that Isaiah said in in a message of comfort, in a message of hope, there is this God who is coming, who is powerful, a God who, who loves his people, who responds in tenderness. I'm that one that he talked about. I am the good shepherd. I am the one that hundreds of years ago, in a message of comfort and peace and hope, In a message of prophecy, I'm that one that has come in fulfillment. When he said, when Isaiah gave us that message, and he said that there was a God who would come with power, he was talking about Jesus. When Isaiah said that there was a God who is coming, who treasures us, who prizes us, who values us, He was talking about Jesus. And when Isaiah talked about one who was coming, who would tend his flock like a shepherd, who would carry the the lambs near to his heart, he was talking about Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, he said, I'm the man. I'm the shepherd. I am that God who was to come to visit his people. You and I were created for dependence. Ernst Morrow would tell us we were created to be held. It was pre-programmed at the factory. That's how God created us. But we weren't created to be held by just anyone. We were created to be held by a Savior who loves us, 
a God who was powerful, a God who can be trusted because he tenderly relates in love to all who would follow him. And having received that love, having been supported and strengthened by that God, then we can deal in healthy ways with all of the other relationships in our lives. So this Christmas, let's remember the God who drew near to us and remember that he drew near to us that we might draw near to him. Remember that he is the one who came to us that we might receive him, that we might welcome him and enjoy his strength and his power in our lives. Let's look to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, when we stop to pray as we do now, as we pause and reflect on who you are and what you've done in our lives, we remember that we need you. And yet too often we race through our weeks giving little thought to you. We race through the busyness forgetting our need for dependence upon you, forgetting our need to be held by you. So, Father, help us to look to you more often. Help us to turn to you more quickly. Help us to trust you more freely. I pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't feel strong enough to face what they're dealing with right now. And I pray that you'd show them your power. Show them your strength. Show them the might of your arm. I pray for anyone this morning who's feeling like no one cares. Would you reveal your love to them today? Would you remind them all that Jesus did? to provide salvation for us, to provide life to us. I pray, Father, for anyone needing your extra attention. I pray that you would be that strength and help and support in their life today. Draw them to yourself and reveal your love. For we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.